Um, I do see a um, uh, uh, an opportunity uh, to engage on another question. And so uh, the favorite attribute or characteristic of God uh, and why? Um, what is my favorite attribute or characteristic of God and why? Now, it's kind of a trick question. Um, and I'll tell you why. It's theologically tricky to talk of a favorite attribute of God. Because God isn't kind of an assembly of attributes in the way that we think of maybe a bicycle. A bicycle is made up of parts, right? It's made up of a wheel and it's made up of a steering wheel and it's made up of a little bell that can go tring tring and it's made up of brakes and it's made up of a frame. A bike is made up of many attributes. It's got many parts. God isn't like that. God isn't made up of parts. God isn't made up of part love, part holiness, part sovereignty, part wrath, part jealousy, part whatever it might be. No, no. God is perfect. Um, and he is infinite in all of his attributes. Um, it is right to say that God is love, but it's no less right to say that God is holy or God is sovereign or God is just or God is righteous, very much attached to that word just. The, the reality is God isn't one attribute or one attribute doesn't outshine the rest. Rather, all of God's attributes are perfections and they work together uh, in not in tension with one another, but in unity with one another. Um, he is not an assembly of attributes, like you could pick out one attribute which you think is favorable, like God is love and I like that we have a loving God, because you would end up diminishing possibly another one of his attributes, like God is wrath. Um, he hates sin. In fact, uh, Psalm 5 verse 5 says he doesn't just hate sin, but he, he hates sinners. What do you do with that if you believe that God is love to the nth degree? No, what you need to do is gaze on a God who is fully love and a God who is fully holy and a God who is fully just and each one of those attributes work together in unity in a God who is one, uh, one God in three persons. But I do find that different attributes of God, even though they are perfect and even though it is unwise to lift one above another, different attributes of God, um, let's say, appeal or work um, in one's heart or in one's experience in a moment of time in different ways. And so I remember uh, about 25 years ago when I was sitting under the preaching of God's word and I was exposed to the reality that God was sovereign and I shook in fear because I recognized that a sovereign God who was a holy God <laughs> would have absolutely no time for me a wretched sin and I I, I, I shook literally in fear at the thought of the peril that I was in. At that moment, the attributes of holiness and sovereignty were applied to my heart in a way which was very, very helpful because it reminded me of the gospel, that Jesus died for my sins and that he rose from the grave and that I was to cast myself upon Christ. In fact, my tears of fear, because I was actually, I mean, I was in a church service, there was probably about 20 people, it was a very muted affair, but there was Mark <laughs> crying out um, <laughs> very loudly uh, in, in literal fear uh, of this sovereign and holy God. But my tears of fear turned into tears of joy 
as God's love and God's mercy and God's grace was applied to my heart in the form of the gospel in the person of Jesus Christ as I confessed my sin and cast myself completely upon the person of Christ. Surely the sovereignty of God has been a balm to my heart at times when I, from a human perspective, have been in great turmoil, but I've been able to pray to a God who I was certain was not. He was sovereign and he was seated on his throne, even though it felt like my world was falling apart. I remember a time about five or six years ago when there was an armed robbery, an invasion in my home. Um, about, uh, in fact, the details. It's so interesting how, how our memory fades. At the time, I thought it was an overwhelming event in my heart. At the time, the, the event absolutely overwhelmed me. There must have been about five guys. They, they held up and tied up the family for about half an hour as they ransacked and searched the house uh, and then fled after threatening our lives. Uh, it was a time of incredible um, a turmoil for everyone in the house um, myself, my wife, my children um, were all there I remember um, crawling over Thomas to shield him um, just because I, I feared for our lives and I feared for his life and I remember the weeks after that I was in absolute turmoil I, I kept on thinking what if this what if that, should I have done this should I have done that, what if I had have done this and, and we ended up dying uh, or you know the, the kids were 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 affected, uh, harmed bodily, and all kinds of things spun through my mind. It was incredibly traumatic, not just in the event, but also after the event. But I remember in my prayers over that time, taking comfort in my knowledge, which came from Scripture, in this that God is sovereign even though my world was presently in turmoil and I was having to engage with the realities of living in a world which is fallen and full of trials and tribulation and distress and darkness and sin, both my own and that which is caused against me, I, I, I took confidence to know that God was still seated on his throne and his promises in Christ were yes and amen. Again, I'm remembering Romans chapter 8. I, I do want to encourage you to go and check out Romans chapter 8. It is the most amazing chapter of Scripture. But in Romans chapter uh, 8, we are reminded in verse 28 that God works out all things for the good of those who love him, for our good and ultimately for his glory's sake. Um, I could hold on to that, even though I didn't understand why this had to happen to us. I didn't understand at the time um, uh, what good could possibly come from it. Um, but I could hold on to the fact that God has revealed himself as being good and that ultimately things would work out for the good. Now God has been faithful to his promise. Um, I believe that that promise, by the way, rests in eternity to come, not in temporal things. He is writing to a people in Romans chapter 8 that would experience distress and suffering and nakedness and famine and peril and even sword. So he was writing to a people that were exper experiencing the kinds of distress for their faith that we sometimes experience just living in South Africa. But but even in writing that, he could say that ultimately these things will work out for the good, that, that we will be saved, that our, our salvation rests not in, um, not in our um, staying um, 
sorry, our, our salvation rests or, or can't be thwarted um, by these trials and tribulations which come against us, that he has sovereignly ordained that we will be saved and we can take confidence in that. And surely the right response to that is all glory to God. So favorite attribute or characteristic of God and why? I would say that my favorite attribute or characteristic of God is dependent on what I'm experiencing both in life and what I'm exposed to in terms of understanding from his word as I apply what I know of God um, uh, to the experiences of day to day. But I am cognizant that I don't want to lift God out of who he is, united in all of his perfections, to make him one perfection because it diminishes something of God. If we only make him love and all of his other perfections subject to love, or if we only make him holy and all of his other perfections subject to his holiness. Maybe also just to say that um, that when it comes to the perfections of, of God, there is a tendency to do that, um, to make one or other perfections ascend or qualities ascend or attributes ascend and therefore uh, the others to descend and become subject to that and when we do that we have a distorted version of God and I would encourage you the the way to remedy that is to sit under sound biblical teaching and um, preferably exposition which goes through verse by verse book by book through God's word I was reading Isaiah chapter 28 this week in actual fact I think it's verse 11 and 12 um, uh, where it talks about precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. This is how we access God's word best um, as we go through God's word. If you if you sit under preaching, which is expository, expositional, and verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, you don't end up with the preacher's hobby horses, so the same sermon week in and week out or iterations thereof. Rather, you get to engage with the whole of God's word over time and placing the emphasis where God's word places emphasis. Um, and then secondly, uh, read God's word, memorize God's word, memorize what God says about himself in God's word, right from the first chapter of Revelation to the last, uh, first chapter of Genesis to the last chapter of Revelation. I do want to read uh, from Anali. Uh, thank you so much for writing and I was listening to Table Talk in the car. Someone asked about pre-marriage counseling. My husband and I do marriage preparation courses at our house in Rudaput. Um, and uh, certainly that is a major um, uh, opportunity. Uh, believers who love God, who are devoted to God's word and devoted to God's people doing marriage preparation classes. It doesn't have to be a pastor, um, but you are looking for somebody who is mature in the faith, someone who knows God's word. Um, it's very helpful if that someone is a couple uh, that can give you both the husband's perspective and the wife's perspective and engage with you guys at the heart level and engage with you guys at the reality um, of life level so that you can interact um, and uh, and so that you can ask questions and you can be prepared for what is coming next because marriage marriage isn't easy it's two sinners living in close proximity for the rest of their lives um, it is um, in um, it, it, yeah it, it, it isn't easy and yet it can be so beautiful and it can point the world to the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church and so I would encourage you to uh, 
to to find a couple or find a pastor or find a church which engages in some kind of formalized marriage preparation. Friends, we're coming up for the top of the hour. I see it is um, three minutes to nine. I again just want to say thank you to everyone who has been interacting on the show this morning. Um, We are going to be going to a song break and finding out if after the song break we may or may not be back. But we will now be listening to Your Love uh, your love. Oh, we'll be listening to "I Am" by J.D. Crossan featuring Siba. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> 